Hey, what's up? Welcome to Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650 with Jamie Dodd and what my co-host. So much, actually. Uh, Canucks insider Thomas Trance, who also covers the team at The Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, we got a big, big show today. I say that a lot. Typically, just a blatant lie. Total falsehood. Don't have a big show. But today, I mean it. I mean it, Drancer. We've got a big show. Wow. We've got lots going on. <laughs> I, I would never be dishonest to our no, audience of course, like that. No, I'm joking. But uh, really, this is like, I want to I Are you emphasize. joking or are you lying? Who knows? I don't even know how to trust you anymore. That's just sports talk parlance. Every show is a big show. Every show is a big show, of course. Dom knows what I mean. But today... This is like we even another level. This is a really, really big show. Are you being real though? <laughs> how can I tell? If you've lied to me about all the other big shows, Jamie, how do I know? I know. How do I trust? It's a mystery. This? Credibility. Boy who cried big show. Hey, credibility and reputation is very fragile, my friend. I'm shook. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, but honestly, oh, don't worry. Honestly, I'll get over it quickly. Honestly, big honestly, show. Honestly, trust me. The guy who just admitted to lying. To big you. show today. <laughs> Uh, it is Wednesday, so we're going to do the crossover with our guys Donnie and Dolly coming up. I'm sorry. The idea of being like that annoyed. No, you know what? No, honestly, and I, as I say, we have a big show, and that will get off in a total digression. But that was an old uh, – did you watch Conan O'Brien when he was doing like whatever yeah, yeah. it was? That was an old Conan O'Brien bit where he'd right. be like, hey, we've got a great show. And he'd be like, I said that to the audience yesterday. I was lying to those idiots. But you guys, <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. We've got a great show yeah, coming up. That's so I'm, I'm paying homage to Conan O'Brien Conan there. rocks. Uh, Donnie and Dolly coming up here uh, on the crossover in just a few minutes. Patrick Alvine spoke to the media today, so we will play you that audio at some point uh, during the show and react to everything that the GM had to say. Jason Buchla is going to join us at 1. At 1.30, we will do the whiteboard. We're going to shift it later in the show on Wednesdays because we've got the crossover with Donnie and Dolly. So that's the plan for today. Tons to get into. And before we uh, we get into the crossover of Donnie and Dolly and welcome them to the show, I mean, two big things, obviously, from last night. Canucks beat the Ducks 3-1, and they complete a trade, sending Anthony Beauvillier to Chicago for a 2024 fifth round pick. So, unlike you, man, I just can't lie to my audience. <laughs> I know everyone's excited about the Canucks winning again at home. Mm-hmm. And I love that Rogers Arena has become a fortress for this team. Fantastic. The most impressive part of the night for me last night was Demko telling the crowd, you deserve this. It's a good I quote. Thought that was awesome. It's a really good quote. Did you hear Rick Tockett talking about Demko where he was like, he doesn't smile much. And like for me, you know, I've had Demko's a really bright guy. So mm-hmm. I've had like, you know, some really engaging conversations with him over the years. But also a lot of the time I'm interviewing him and I'm like, man, like, do you hate me? <laughs> do you hate this so much? And he doesn't seem to because he gives good answers. Like the gap between the energy you get from Demko. And the quality of the answers. Yeah, person yeah. to person, and then what it sounds like when you transcribe it right. is massive. I'm always like, wow, that was a great quote, and I didn't even realize it at the time because his energy was so te- technical, you know, like so businesslike. Anyway, I felt like that was like a good, defiant, engaging moment and something, yeah. I've, something I've been kind of waiting to see from this team, like connecting 
explicitly with well, the fan base. And it's kind of, it picks up on a, remember Patterson had the comment, I think it was after the national game where he scored the right. hat trick, like, it's fun to play here again, right? Yeah. And everyone interpreted that as specifically about his contract circumstances style, and the yeah, contract, yeah. and that's probably part of it, but... No, I but every, everything with Patterson is bigger than yeah, everything with but Patterson. it's a team-wide thing, right? Like, they know yeah. the score. They know the last They're three years haven't been fun. <laughs> they know this is way better than what we've seen recently. They're having a blast, but I thought it was meaningful to have a Canucks player, especially a star Canucks player kind of reach across the aisle and be like this energy we're sharing we're all in this like I just I thought that was a really impressive moment and like an important one for this team to take other than that (laughs) and like I know everyone wants to throw bouquets at this team for coming out hard in the third period after being soundly outplayed at home by a reeling Anaheim Ducks team that didn't have Radko Gudis and Lucas Carlson in the lineup but Leo. they weren't even that. What Leo did I say? Carlson. Leo Lucas. Carlson in the lineup. Excuse me. Uncle Leo yeah, was out. That's right. They were. That was not a good game. Not a good game. They come out in the third and, and string together like 14 really assertive minutes, kind of take over. Good for them. And then they take a too many men on the ice penalty with four minutes and 30 seconds to go, which is just like a. Shoot yourself in the foot, unforced error. Like, that's an immature error mm-hmm. in a, in a one-goal game. And then the Ducks hit the post. Like, it's not like that. I mean, but for the grace of God, that was a really tough moment for this team. That could have cost them so easily. It was a half inch away from costing them. I, I, yeah. Like, at some point, we haven't seen this team give us a complete effort since Montreal. Well, we framed it yesterday Three weeks. on the show as... Don't just win this game, but come out and stomp the yeah, Ducks. Yeah, they right? didn't pass and that they, test. No, they didn't. Not, th- not only that, the, they, they literally failed that test. They just picked up two points. The 15 minutes or so of the third period, that's what I think everyone was hoping to see, first of all, from puck from puck drop well, to start it, the game. If you do it from puck drop, then you don't necessarily have to do it for 60 minutes. That, right, that's the thing, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, control, take control of that game. Don't wait until the third period to assert your dominance. The, the, the Ducks outplayed them for 40 minutes, outworked them. They weren't winning battles. They weren't generating much five on five like I can't even think of what this team's staple attacking move is five on five uh aside from maybe like Quinn Hughes jukes a guy and gets a wrist shot off from just below the Bowman line which hey look I love to watch it but um this was another game where they relied on hey this guy's punching one of my teammates I'm gonna wrap it around on him quick (laughs) right or goalie fails to squeeze it and now it's a tap in at the goal line like these aren't replicable goals staple play is distract the goalie (laughs) Hey, get him really, really distracted until he just forgets to I'm here take for care that. of the net. I'm and here you for that. Slip it or wrap around. I'm here for that jerk puck so long, but like you, you can't always expect. So yeah. anyway, I, I don't mean to be too on brand, but I just like came away from that game being like, I don't, you know, it's been a long time since I saw something that made me think that the stretch between now and Christmas isn't either going to be one where the Canucks have to play an awful lot better to keep getting results. Or it's going to be a humbling period. That's just where I'm at with this team. Well, like, and I need look, to see this team play in a... I need to see this team start to win games in a way that feels sustainable, replicable, not so dependent on the power play, not so dependent on good fortune, good finishing luck, quality bounces. Um, they, they, they did that, by the way, for like two weeks, late October, early November. 
it's just been a long time since I saw it, and I, I'm growing concerned. That's it. And it's a tough schedule coming up now, obviously, with Vegas on Thursday. Then you go to Calgary, and then you have a homestand. But, you know, New Jersey, Minnesota, Carolina, Tampa, Florida, that's not an easy homestand. Even no, with an extended stretch at home with rest and all of those things and no back-to-backs, that's really difficult. When Tampa Bay is like the fifth best team on your schedule over the next two weeks, that's a tough schedule. Yes. Yeah, it's a very tough schedule. And, you know, look, the good thing is that even in during this stretch where we've noticed, Rick Tockett has talked about it, the 5-on-5 form is dead. Yeah, they've still kept points. They've still. kept the points yeah. at, a, at a level that, you know, they've, it's brought them down the standing and it's brought their points percentage down. But it hasn't ballooned into a crisis at any point. No, right? no, no. But you don't want to keep rolling those dice. You don't want to keep tempting fate there that okay, it's Connor going Erling. to become <laughs> that it's going to become a crisis. You want to get back to that form that we were seeing earlier in the year that yeah. made that made us really optimistic about what this team could do. A hundred percent. You want you want to leave no doubt that you're not just a playoff team, but a team that could be a, a tough out. Um, we'll talk about this a little bit with Rick Dollywall because one thing about the Beauvillier trade, which we'll get into now, mm-hmm. is we begin to open up the possibility that, f- forget playing better, this team could actually materially improve itself in the near future. Are we going to welcome them in Let's now? do it. It is time for the crossover here on Canucks Talk. Uh, every Wednesday, we welcome the guys from Donnie and Dolly on Check TV, which, of course, you can check out every day. 10 to noon, they are Don Taylor and Rick Dollywall. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the show. Gentlemen. You should be happy to have us on. We're both hurting. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. Sore <laughs> well, throats. All right. Oh, oh man. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you battling we through it. We play hurt. That's right. That's right. That's That takes guts right there. Hey, this is a yeah. big day to have you on the show, Rick. I know you're, you've got a lot to say, I'm sure, about Rick the Rick also plays trade. in the corners. I just want to say Rick goes to the hard areas of the ice. That's <laughs> I go to the dirty areas of the ice drench. Heck unlike yeah, you, you do. That's what he I'll calls stand in front of the net. <laughs> That's what Rick calls calling agents. Going to the dirty I, areas. I'm definitely a perimeter player. <laughs> Taylor and I would stand in front of the net if Chris Pronger was there. You wouldn't, Drench. Oh, Take no. it to the bank. Oh no, I've been around Chris Pronger. I have no interest. You blocking shots with your face like Tanev, yeah. Dolly? <laughs> you getting, getting in front of it? <laughs> That's why he's so handsome. Hey. Don't make fun of Tanev. I'm not Tanev's fun. a warrior. He's I mean, come on, respect. man. Respect for yeah. doing it. He's laying out. He's yeah, making fun. No one's making We're fun. We're showing you respect, too, man. Yeah. Playing hurt. All right. This is already off you the know rails. What, you know what help us in terms of – you know what help us in terms of our sore throats and that? What? Maybe if we wore sweaters. Yeah. Because apparently – Look at it, us. It, 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 it's sweater it, season over here. Yeah. The Dodd. pullover. Yeah. Dodd looks like he went to Harvard. <laughs> And Drance talks like he went to Harvard. Well, that would be a good thing. Yeah. I don't know, man. Jamie looks to me like he works yeah. at Cornfield. Uh, I just like You're I, posing for American Gothic. <laughs> Look, I like I like being comfortable. It's cold Rick outside. Lives in a cornfield. Hey. <laughs> this is the sweater. Now's the time to wear sweaters, guys. That's this right. Because it was cold this morning. Rick, that's what Not I'm saying. July? Yeah, no, Donnie, Donnie, listen. Uh, December, <laughs> January, the, get out the sweaters. Come on, let's well, go. What, what, they have the sweaters any, on. Any other months? gotten them out. What about February? F- sweaters? Yeah. Sweaters. Yeah, sweaters. Well, Rick, what material is your shirt? Then you cut it off. Cut it off. Long sleeve right. t-shirt at that point. Rick, Rick, Taylor's what, really hurting today, guys. Fair and enough. you know what? Huh? Well, uh, uh, Rick, I need to know what material your shirt is. Is it silk? My shirt? Yeah. Cordoy? Do I look like I, I would know what material my shirt is? <laughs> it just feels rough. Rawhide. Polycotton. Is it cotton? Cotton poly. 
<laughs> Correct. It's not rawhide. Um, it's not I don't rawhide. think it's rawhide. No. Yeah, no. Chainmail. That would be quite the move, though. All Why right. are you worried, Grant, about what I'm wearing? I'm asking. <clears throat> let's I just, go. I wanted to make sure you were comfortable. You guys brought up the sweaters. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Let's talk some Canucks here. Uh, they make, <laughs> Rick, they make the trade. Anthony Beauvillier to Chicago. No salary retained. They have cap space. What should we expect in terms of what's next for the Canucks here? All right, so uh, I believe the Canucks have prorated $4.3 million in cap space. So obviously we all know, everybody knows they're going to be out trying to improve the blue line. So they need to acquire some defensemen so they don't overplay Hughes and Aronic every night. They need six quality D. I believe they're still uh, poking around uh, Zadaroff and Tanev in Calgary, but the feeling is the Flames really don't want to move those guys right now. And, sp- and especially now, guys, they're winning. Right, uh, but I think the Canucks are still pushing on on uh, Zaradev. Ethan Bear is still on the radar. Canucks are sh- keeping a close watch on Bear. They communicate with his agent all the time. Uh, Bear is expected to be healthy after Christmas. Still two to three weeks away from signing. Uh, just one more thing, guys. They're not looking at just the Calgary guys and Bear. They're going to be looking at all defensemen in the NHL for improvement. Uh, defensemen are hard to get. You have to pay a premium, but the Canucks' first-round pick is not in play. They will not trade that first-round pick. Uh, they can't do it. Uh, after, you know, last year, Look at the last two first-round picks. They look like they're going to hit, right, guys? Look at Mackey and Willander. We just talked to Willander's uh, coach today. He's just raving about the kid at Boston University. So I don't believe the first-round pick's in play, but they're out there hunting, looking for a defenseman. They won't leave any uh, stone unturned. Rock, whatever. Uh, Rick. <laughs> Sweater. Rick, Sweater. do you have any Unturned. sense? Do you have any sense? This trade feels to me, to management's credit, by the way, like they were yep. able to creatively throw a Chicago Blackhawks team that A, has lost two wingers across five days, right? And B, had yep. an awful lot of controversy swirling around them. Uh, feels like they threw them an anvil. Hey, change the narrative and, and get another NHL caliber winger. The Blackhawks said yes. Canucks management muted the line, probably laughed at their good fortune for 30 seconds and then hung up. Is, is that kind of what happened? Was this just an opportunistic deal for the Canucks here? When they couldn't move Connor Garland, you go to your next target. Who's yeah. your next target? It's 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 a Bavillier. And and they're sitting there, Chicago, Taylor Hall, out for the year. And th- th- this trade doesn't happen if the Blackhawks don't have a ton of money on the, uh, available in the yep. cap space. But it was a smart move by the team. They got it done. I told you guys two, three weeks ago that Bavillier was on the market. And, and he was on the market, and guess what? They cleared the cap space, uh, they got it done, and they now they got $4.3 million to play with. Yeah, I don't think anybody is feeling sorry for the Blackhawks either, no. uh, guys. I mean, no. I know, you know off the ice, uh, on the ice, things haven't exactly uh, been perfect, but you, you look, this is what good management groups are supposed to do. You, know, you, you take advantage of somebody who's having, having a, a weak moment, as awful as the moment is, you take advantage of them, and and you acquire an asset you need, or in this case, create some cap room. I don't think Big any time. people have any uh, problem with it. And Rick, you know, I know you mentioned Ethan Bear might not be ready to sign for a few weeks, and then we would see, even if he did come to Vancouver, how long it would take to get into the lineup. Carson Soucy probably still has, you know, four to six weeks left on his uh, on his injury. But you look at what the how the coach is using 
the defense right now. Like Cole McWard gets in last night, plays under 10 minutes. You know, Akita Hirose sent down today. Matt Irwin called up. It seems like Tockett and Adam Foote really looking for solutions on the back end right now. Could Do you think we could see a smaller move in the meantime just to bring in some additional kind of veteran capability yeah. on the blue line? Yeah, sure. They're looking. They've been looking uh, since training camp, uh, Jamie, for a defenseman. So they're going to keep looking. Now they got some money to play with it. Maybe they get it done quicker than we all expected. Uh, Wasn't there a move with Matt Irwin today? Matt Irwin's yeah, up, guys. Up yeah, yep. and Hiroshi went down. And McWard, I don't think McWard had a shift in the last uh, 11 minutes yeah. uh, last night uh, as the game was tight and they were defending the uh, the one goal lead after Pedersen got him up. But, hey, look, they're out there. They're working the phones, and uh, they need some D. And, you know, a lot of people, I don't know about you guys, but, Donnie, we get a lot of uh, texts ripping Ethan Bear. Why are they after him? Well, you know, don't shoot the messenger. It, it's, it's, it's the Canucks that like Ethan Bear. He doesn't cost you any, anything yeah. in December. There's no assets to give up. And he walks into a dressing room where he played last year. He knows the coach. He knows the system. He knows the players. Where else can you get a guy cheap? It's going to be a one-year deal around $1 million, I'm going to guess. Where can you get a, a guy in December – with that many games in the NHL for not giving up assets, walks in on a cheap deal, knows the dressing room. He's right hand, right hand. And right hand. And Donnie, okay, I don't care where Ethan Bear ends up in the third pair or the second pair. That's not the point. They like him. They want to bring him in. They're going to try. Well, depth. And Donnie, here's another one. The Canucks are not the only team in on Ethan Bear. Uh, They're hot and heavy on Bear, but uh, there's other teams that are hot and heavy on him too. And how about if there's uh, teams get uh, injuries in the next couple of weeks, Don. Yeah. You know, somebody's right shot defenseman goes down. Ethan Bear's agent might be able to turn this into, a, you know, a bidding war if everything goes right. Well, Canucks have injuries. Yeah, I, big I, time. How about the fact that Ethan Bear also has built-in chemistry with Quinn Hughes if you wanted to rely yeah. on Philip Peronic to carry his own Break pair? Up. You're grimacing at me, Donnie. You don't yeah. buy it? Well, I think people – no – no, no, I, I, no, I'm, I'm grimacing. It was a good, it was a positive grimace. If there's uh, such a thing, um, <laughs> um, in, the only in positive that, grimace I think a lot is of people want to see. <laughs> that, well, 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 I was going to go there. I'm glad you did. I love that. Um, no, I mean, a lot of people want to see how heroic will do without yeah. Quinn Hughes, without and Quinn and, Hughes. and, and yeah. as positive as it's been so far. I'm sure the Canucks are part of that group. They they yeah. want to see how he does without Quinn Hughes for an extended period of time, given the negotiations that are coming up. I think that'd be that'd be fair, and Bear would help make that happen. Uh, I, I I'd love to see it, and and Philip Peronik has been great, and we've seen some you know uh, some of him by, uh, without Quinn Hughes, but I I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more. And, and if any and if indeed that works, that's so so much the better. Makes for at least two strong defensive pairings. Yeah. Look at your uh, right side last night, Juleson, Myers, McWard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're trying to improve that right side, guys. And if Ethan Bear's the guy they've targeted, and all we can do is say, yeah, yeah, I, I, we can confirm that they're after him. So, you know, don't shoot the messenger. You know, the team likes him a lot. Well, I, I might, Rick, but I don't have a weapon. I'm not armed. So, um, in terms of... <laughs> in terms of... Bear, I know you guys love when I go st- statistical on you, okay? I just want to do this really quickly. Bear oh, played 364 oh minutes with Quinn Hughes last year, okay? Um, hmm. Canucks outscored their opposition 21-13 in those minutes. Philip Ronick has spent 318 minutes with Quinn Hughes, so 50 minutes fewer. They've outscored their opponents 22-10. to 
That's actually pretty similar. Pretty similar. Yeah. If you can get <laughs> Ethan is, Bear on yeah. the cheap, I don't. I gotta be. I'm surprised that people are are questioning you about Ethan be Bear. Cheap. I don't get that. Like he was good. He played well for well, the. We Canucks. get a lot of tax. Yeah. Well, and you get him without paying an asset. Yeah. Like that's one of the things you clear Beauvilliers four point one five. Yeah. But you, the only way to improve your team yeah. is basically to Bear. Spend yeah. Or to or to spend, to spend more assets on a trade. Yeah. So if you can get, if you can absorb, I think the best part of piece, what you just said there, Tom. Yeah, go. I think the best part of what you just said there, Thomas, is that Rick and I both got that math, which doesn't <laughs> n- normally d- doesn't happen. Yeah. It wasn't above us. Are, are you speaking to Harvard I, like twenty-one thirty? I can. Are you I can speaking for that. yourself? Yeah. yeah. We don't use fancy. Wo- we don't use fancy words like Drantz. We're just uh, meat and potatoes guys. We didn't go to Harvard like Drantz. <laughs> uh, okay. Again with the Harvard. I know. <laughs> that's 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 my father, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> off the uh, <laughs> off the trade stuff, off the trade stuff for a little bit. Uh, since we last mm. talked to you guys last week, Andre Kuzmenko, healthy scratch for a couple of games, comes back in last night, and you know he's he's doing his work in front of the net, helps contribute to that Pedersen goal, and then talk it <laughs> after the game. Oh, he was okay. Oh yeah, he was okay. Mm. I mean, where where's this going? Like, yeah. should we? Uh, what what's what's happens next year in your guys's view between Tockett and Andre Kuzmenko? Yeah, we ran that clip today, by the way, because there was some humor in it. And what did he play? 11, 11 12 minutes. Yeah, and you mentioned minutes. the yeah. the, the Pedersen goal. And, you know, the question, and, it, you know, it's a big subject in, in town. There's a lot happening, but that was yeah. a, a big focus going into that game. And what was it, five or six second clip? He was, five. He, that's it. He was okay. <laughs> Terse. He, he, quit. He, he was okay. And that's, you know, a, a second straight coach that isn't all that happy with his 200-foot game. He's got the contract only for two years. I'm just, I, I just wonder about his future. Is he, is he going to – is it going to click in for him? What are okay, you, what but, are you hearing, but, Rick? But, Thomas, one sec. It, it, the way I look at it – the way I look at it is like this. Look, look, look at Milstein. His client, Zadaroff yep. Calgary, isn't happy with the ice time. There's your trade. Uh, you know, is, is there going to be a point in time here when Milstein steps in and says, hey, guys, look – he scored 39 goals last year. You guys outbid 26 teams in the summer to get him the pre- previous summer, right? You guys did a hell of a job to get him. 26 teams are in on Kuzmenko. You got him. He scored 39 goals. He's making 5 mil plus. And all of a sudden now the, the poor kid's in the doghouse again, Donnie. He, he did a great job on the Patterson goal. He, he, you know, he, who, was in the thick of, who was in front of the net? It was Kuzmenko. Mm-hmm. It was Kuzmenko. Well, so what? Players' okay. performance dips. It drops. I that happens with a lot that, of people. Donnie, but he could have mentioned when he said, oh, he had an okay game. But the coach could have mentioned he also played a role on the on the, on the Pedersen goal, Donnie. He did. He did. He was causing havoc in front of the net. It enabled Pedersen to do the wraparound. But anyways, I don't know. So that was the that was the entire know, that, no, it wasn't. entirety played, of his uh, performance. No, it wasn't. But I'm telling you, they better fix this because Tockett seems to be headstrong and uh, Milstein, Milstein could be a headstrong guy too. Um, but it, I feel for Kuzmenko. Uh, you know, just a, a, a guy that loves being at the rink, Donnie. We always talk about he's always smiling, he's always laughing, just a joy to be around. But you wonder, if you take the fun out of that guy, uh, I mean, you, you really wonder. We well, can't turn a blind eye to things that ah. he's doing wrong. Yeah. We ran a video. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it. I know you watch the show all the time. But uh, we ran a video last week. That was a joke, Thomas. No, I watch here. it all the time. <laughs> uh, it's on my PBI. We ran a, we ran a video. We ran a video last week, number one on Spotify. We ran a, <laughs> a, a video last week uh, of the Colorado game where, where 
twice a Kuzmenko instead of going out and getting somebody at the point. At the point. Slapped his yep. stick. Beaver tapped his uh, yeah. stick. I guarantee that drove Rick Tockett nuts. Next game, he sat out. Game after that, he, he sat out. There's so much more than just, yeah, I mean, that was great what he did on the Pedersen goal, but there's a lot more to the game than and, that. And I think Tockett's being consistent, right? And I think well, he's, it, he's earned the benefit of the doubt. He's done the great job. Like Even think back to him sitting Miller down for four minutes at the, in the Nashville game, and then he comes out and he gets yeah. the response. Like I think he's just being consistent with what he demands, even from his top players, his skill guys. Yeah. He said Joshua. Joshua came back yep. after his healthy scratch. He had 12 hits in the following two games. He criticized him publicly. He, he criticized him. He, he called out Hiroshi for not being in great mm-hmm. shape at training camp. I love talking in his honesty, but this is a situation I'm scared that might go south with Kuzmenko if it doesn't get any better anytime soon. Well, here's the real concern for me, Rick, is you know Kuzmenko scored 39 last year, 14 on power play one, right? He's not on power play one last yeah. night. Mm. Part of the reason his minutes yeah. are at 13. Yeah. Guess what? If Kuzmenko's not on power play one, we're not talking about a guy with a 30-goal ceiling. We're talking about a guy with a 20-goal ceiling. Like, we are fundamentally talking about a different caliber mm. of player. And all of a sudden, at $5.5 million, I mean, that becomes certainly not something I'm going to get dunked on about. <laughs> well, you'll still yeah. get dunked on for well, something. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> Uh, before we let you guys go, <laughs> Rick is so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say something, but I can't. <laughs> Te- text him after the show, Rick. Don't worry. Um, before we let you guys go, on the other end of the spectrum from Kuzmenko, Brock Besser, after tough year last year, leading oh. the NHL in goals right now. And not only that, but seeming to be earning the trust of Rick Tockett. And, I mean, how great is it to see this bounce back, this yeah. turnaround, after everything he's been through? Yeah, we know when he went through uh, personally la- uh, last yeah. year. Still, you know, like I think it was one point off his career high uh, last year. It wasn't that bad, at least not uh, statistically. But uh, he gets uh, the one criticism of him that we've heard is that well, he, he, three of his goals are empty net goals. But I always look at that as here's a guy that Rick Tockett trusts to be on the ice. In the case of last night, nursing nursing a one goal lead. That's an important role, whether he scores or not, and he. he He's out there late in the game when the Canucks have a lead. That says something about Brock Besser. And the ability to score an empty net goal is icing on the cake. It's been great. He's a nice guy, and he's a good hockey player. He seems faster this year, uh, seems more engaged, and good on him. Look where he's scoring his goals, guys, front of the net. Dirty areas where we talked yep. about at the onset of this well, there's interview. There's been a variety. Just he's like you. distance as well. Yeah. Just like you, Rick. And I want I want to say this, guys. A year ago, he almost asked for a trade. It was I think it was it was it was in about five days where his agent Ben Hankinson got permission to uh, facilitate a trade. The Vancouver Canucks never came close to trading Besser last year. Never came close. It was never, ever close. Uh, so how many teams are kicking themselves? They could have got Besser real cheap last year, but the problem was the, the $6 million contract. But they never came close to moving him. Never. Donnie, by the way, I'm with you. It means a lot that he's being trusted in those positions. Don't know if you saw the Elias Pettersson yeah. scrum, but I asked Elias Pettersson, hey, you know, you and Brock both went through this at the same time as developing players. You weren't always on the ice to score those types of goals. And Pettersson knew almost yeah. to the date from when his career started how long it took him to get his first six-on-five goal. Like, interrupted me to be like, yeah, I didn't get my first six-on-five goal until That's year right. four, yeah. which I think is enormously telling. I also joked, by the way, to Brock Besser, asking if he'd gotten tips on those long-range empty net goals from Louis Erickson. And (laughs) 
Besser actually liked that joke. Like Ooh. I was, I was like, I wonder how he'll react to this. I'm gonna try it. <laughs> I made the joke. Besser actually liked the joke. Yeah. Said he'd text him. Said he'd text him that, for some tips. That's amazing. See, that's going to the dirty areas right there. Yeah, that's we, being willing we to saw ask that joke. we saw those clips, Thomas. We saw those uh, clips, Thomas, and we rejected them. We didn't run the money. <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> fair. Hey guys, I'm getting a text. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Guys, I'm getting a text. I'm getting the text. I just got my Rolling Stones tickets. Nice. Hey, congrats. Give me shelter, my friend. Very good. Enjoy. Congrats. Thank you. Okay. We'll my let buddy you guys... Johnny, my, my buddy Johnny in New West came through. Shout out to Johnny in New West. Uh, we'll let you guys go rest up, heal up, and uh, break out the sweaters next time. All right? Yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. Thanks, guys. Have a good one, fellas. We'll talk yeah, next thanks. week. That is. Uh... Make sure to get what you need, boys. Make sure to get what you need. <laughs> sure. That is Don Taylor and uh, Rick Dollywall from <laughs> Donnie and Dolly on Check TV joining us here, uh, as they do every Wednesday for the crossover on Canucks Talk. Rolling Stones. You can't always get what you want. Sure. I've never me. heard someone say, hey, get what you need. We before. got the reference. Thank you. Uh, you did. I did. Jamie did not. Well, I don't know. I was trying to think of like a, I was like. Sympathy like if you said like devil. satisfaction, ah, that, that would probably would have been, been better. Good. You're right. Uh, anyways, uh, okay, okay, okay. Point taken. We got to take a break. Win by you. We've got, a, as I said, very busy show, <laughs> and I and I'm restoring my credibility because everyone can tell what a busy show it is right now. We'll take a break. Patrick Alvine spoke to the media uh, just about an hour ago. We will play you that audio in the next segment and react to it uh, as much as we can before we welcome Jason Bukla on at one. So hear that coming up next here on Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650, live from the Kintec studio. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on, Brad- on Bridge Street. Oh, what was that? In Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at Dunbar Lumber. As mentioned, Canucks GM Patrick Alvin spoke to the media earlier today, of course, on the Anthony Beauvillier trade uh, and everything else happening with the team. So let's hear it. Here is Patrick Alvin. Yeah, um, I want to thank Anthony for for his time here in Vancouver. Uh, I really like him as a person and a player. And uh, with the competition we have here, we can provide him with the ice time that I believe he deserved to be a top nine player in the league that he's shown over the years. So... Uh, with the internal competition down in Abbotsford and, and the way the, the roster is conducted right now, uh, I felt there was an opportunity for him to move on um, to get his game uh, uh, back to where it belongs. In terms of the cap flexibility, that's something that's been hard to create over the last year and a bit here. So was it a case of jumping at that opportunity when, when you got it from that perspective? I wouldn't say jump on it. I think uh, we're always looking to, for ways to improve our team. And uh, when things like this uh, came across, uh, we talked and we felt there was a, a good opportunity for Anthony to move forward and, and for us to get some flexibility. How much well, does it help to have uh, that space now to do something else if it comes along? Yeah, and you've seen uh, how the league is, and, and uh, uh, we'll definitely take a look and see what's uh, what's our option are, and uh, if there is anything that makes sense to improve our group. But uh, again, we're we're 
fortunate to have Abbotsford down the road and they're playing really well and a lot of players have been taking steps down there. How much did the, the play of guys like Hoagland or Garland, you know, all the guys he was in competition with, how much did that influence? Obviously, it, it definitely played in there. Uh, again, I think he deserves more ice time and he's a good player and uh, Hoaglander, Giuseppe, Garland, Joshua, all those guys have been playing, uh, playing pretty well. That being said, we, we want to have the competition. How quickly did that trade come together? Obviously, you know Chicago ended up with space on their roster just yesterday. Yeah, I think you're always talking to teams and, and see what uh, what's available and what teams are looking for and where our needs are. So uh, sometimes it takes longer and sometimes it goes quicker. How encouraged have you been by some of the performances in Abbotsford you touched on? You've got Linus Carl set up now. Archdeep Baines has had a good start to the year as well. Yeah, I, I, a lot of credit to the coaching staff, Jeremy Colleton and his group down there. The twins are down there working with the players. Um, I think we're aligned here with how we want to play and, and what's needed from the players in order to come up here and have success. So um, co- co- Rick Tockett and his group has, has implemented a system up here Then. Uh, Jeremy and his, st- his staff are, are playing the same same way down there. Patrick, how much are you monitoring Ethan Bear's situation, and are you in contact with his representative? I've been in contact with with Ethan's agent uh, since uh, last year, and we check in uh, frequently. Uh, Ethan is an, is a UFA, and uh, I'm sure he will reach out to us and, and other teams when he's getting closer to be ready. Do you have any? idea of a timeline of when that might be? I, I don't really know. Um, I think that's something up to Ethan and, and his his agent that he's working through. Just on the Bovillier role, I mean, the fact that you now have guys who look like they're ready to take on that role, I imagine that helped play a role in making the decision. Yes, it did, yeah. We haven't talked to you sort of since the start of the season. Like, what do you make of the franchise record start? What, what do you like from the group? And are there things you still look at needing improving going forward? Yeah, I, I think we, uh, well, to answer your last question first, I, I, we're always looking to get better. And I think that's what I really like with the coaching staff here, that their mindset is how to get better next day. Uh, that's the only thing they can control uh, after games. You review uh, how do we practice in the next days, how, how do we attack the player, players to get better. And I think that's what I've been most most pleased with, the process from day one to where we are now. And uh, as Talk said, we haven't really done anything yet. We're still working to get better. And that's the mindset we have here uh, with the coaching staff and the players. In terms of getting better, if, if there was a piece you could add without naming names, like what type of piece would it be? <laughs> well, there's a lot of pieces out there. But, uh, but again, I think we, uh, we owe it to the players internally here to put them in a position to succeed. And uh, we all know that we have some injuries um, you know, on the, on the back end and, and, and Pew Suter up top. So we're looking at ways to see uh, where, where can we strengthen uh, our team. Do you have an update on Suter's timeline? I, I, I don't. It was, as Rick said, uh, it was a little bit of a setback here, and uh, uh, injuries like that seems to take a little bit longer than you want. Uh, so uh, I, would, I would say week to week. How about Mikheyev after he left the game? Uh, he, he was good. Uh, I believe he's out here practicing today.
Patrick, you have said in the past, and in fact, you just said you guys haven't accomplished anything yet. You're 23 games in, and you had the line about no banners in the in the building. Uh, it is a process, obviously, for a team that hasn't been to the playoffs for a few years. That said, you're one of the best records in the league. You've got some players in the league. Does it change your mind at all about what's possible for this group? I think we 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 know what what they're capable of, and uh, again, I think the consistency of playing up to your cap- capability every night—that's something that the coaches need to challenge the players on. Uh, we want to be a consistent team. We want to play to your staples every night, and when you do, uh, you have a chance to win hockey games. And I think that's the biggest challenge for this group to understand how you play every night and uh, not every second day. Uh, and I think that's what I like uh, with the process that the coaching staff have and coming in here to work on, on things every single day. So, um, you know, credit to the players and the coaching staff so far. As an organization, you guys made the decision to put a C on Quinn Hughes, and obviously he has handled that part of it. It clearly has leveled up his game too. Like, did you know that he had that next step in him, or have you been a little surprised to just how good he's been for you? I think we saw it... Uh, Last year, when when uh, Rick and Adam and Sergey came in here, um, how they were able to help Quinn to take his game to the next level, and I still think that he uh, he has another way to to get to too. Uh, the preparation and his details has been really impressive, and I think that's that's paying off. Uh, but I I yeah I've been amazed with what how he played up to this point. But I'm sure he can. He can get to another level too. The staff is obviously trying different things on defense with Susie out, and we see that Matt Irwin is up here today. Are you surprised that the team seems to have missed Susie as much? Not that he's not a, a good NHL player, but you know, one third pairing defenseman. Did you think that the team would be able to absorb that maybe a little easier than it has on the back end? Well, I think uh, uh, it's two-part. I think, you know, Breespa got injured right away too. So we're not just missing uh, uh, Carson Susi, And obviously Susi uh, played really well for us. Uh, that being said, this, uh, again, gives us a chance to test uh, the depth of, of our organization. Do you think you, you need another defenseman? Do I think we need another defenseman? Uh, I think we can get help on the back end, yes. Do you have an update on Brisebois and his time? I, I, I don't. Those type of injuries seems to take longer, and we've got to be a little bit cautious there too, but uh, he's making progress. And there's the old cliche about sometimes the best trade is the one you don't make, and I don't know if you ever got close to trading Brock Besser, but he's an entirely different player uh, this season, and how happy are you? For him, and how happy are you that he's still part of this group? I'm very happy with uh, Brock's performance, uh, and I think everything started last spring when we were, we sat down after the season and how he expressed that that he want to be a, a part of this franchise moving forward, and what he was committed uh, to changes in in his off season training. And um, I'm happy to see that that he's pushing himself every day to get better. Talk ahead of schedule in your mind as far as building culture I mean he seems to have established that right from the start of the season and you know I thought maybe it might take a little longer is this happening is the success coming faster than 
I think part of it was when we uh, went through our options last year and what kind of coach we wanted to have and the timing of it was to give uh, Rick and his staff a chance to come in early and, and assess the players and starting to implement how we want to play and how we want to practice. And I think that's uh, uh, the strength of the coaching staff here, that they're never satisfied, they just want to get better. And uh, the learning and I think the biggest thing here is the building the trust and the partnership with the players so the players understand that the coaches are here to help them get better and playing the right way is demanding and the coaching staff is demanding a lot from the players. And you've, you've mentioned accountability since you came uh, to the organization. Do you like how Talkit has, at least publicly, kept them accountable with some of the things you said when the team hasn't performed well? Well, I think that the, the action speaks more of it. I think he's able to uh, manage the bench and, and manage the players, uh, hold the players accountable uh, in practice and games, and I think that uh, speaks uh, highly of him as a coach. Changing your coach in midseason doesn't always mean you have the greatest selection of candidates. You, in hindsight, must feel pretty fortunate that Rick was the guy. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we, we going through the process that, that I did, I felt that Rick was uh, the best fit how we wanted to play and, and uh, where we were as an organization moving forward. So I think uh, Rick, Adam, and Sergey has been a great addition here to Vancouver Canucks. When you say process, you mean like evaluating what your team needed? Yeah, and how we, yeah, and how we wanted to play correctly. As an organization, you guys talked about freeing up cap space for a couple of years now. From the day Jim got here, that was one of the things that kind of, you finally have. Does the performance of the team allow you to be patient with it, or do you have to be careful with not getting? It's like money in the pocket, like burning a hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we still are in LTIR, so we're not securing any cap space here. We we have what we have, and and operating in LTIR, it, it, it's tough. Uh, so that being said, um, this gives us a little bit of a flexibility to see where we can strengthen uh, our current uh, roster. We have uh, asked you repeatedly about Elias Pettersson. There's another guy that's playing for a contract on defense, who, uh, uh, and maybe this is a good problem to have. Uh, Philip Ronick obviously has had a terrific start. Uh, we talked about Quinn earlier, but what do you make of him? Is that the player that you hoped you got when you made the trade? Yeah, I think uh, uh, going back... Uh, Identifying for us to strengthen the right side, uh, our scouts and our analytic department uh, put their time and job in there and, and watching Philip uh, over the years and, and his progress here, uh, I'm very pleased to see uh, the interaction with, with Adam Foote and Sergey Goncher here has, has helped him taking his game to another level and he fits really well in here uh, with our group and, uh, you know, um, I'd be very, very pleased with how him, him and Quinn has been handling the minutes and uh, how competitive he is and, and uh, that he can play a 200-foot game. When you looked at him as a potential commander, you mentioned analytics, you mentioned scouting, what, what in particular told you that this guy was going to be a good fit, let alone this remarkable yeah, I just just the way he plays and and how he carries himself, and and uh, the fact that he stays away from the media too seems to be a, a mystery there. So, <laughs> but he uh, he's, he's been a a great uh, addition here and, and uh, fitting into the leadership group uh, really well, and how he's interacting with the coaching staff and the players. Uh, I, I've been impressed with that. With Quinn, I mean, they're both puck handlers. 
Rangers. I mean, is that something? I mean, we wouldn't necessarily instinctually say they need to go together. And yeah, I, I think that's more of a question for for uh, the coaches how they want to run the bench there. But I, you know, this gives us more flexibility once we're healthy um, to mix things up. And uh, they, they uh, d- depending on how, who you play against, you can, you can have different matchups there. You mentioned pro scouting and analytics and that acquisition. Like you guys haven't missed on a lot of these, like Sam Lafferty fits, Bluger, Suter, like who. Who deserves, you know, where does the credit go for having so many hits on the pro scouting side, and how much is it analytics? Well, I think there's a combination of, of uh, trusting your staff and holding your staff accountable. But in the end of the day, it's, it's uh, credit to the players, the, the, how they fit in here, the coaches, how they're dealing with the players. And, and uh, my view of it is you've got to put every player in a position to succeed. Uh, that's that's my job and the coach's job to do. And the same thing goes with the players in Abbotsford. We want to prepare them so they can come up here and succeed. Uh, not just one game, uh, hundreds of games. I guess part of that is recognizing what a player's good at and knowing what that position that will allow him to succeed will be. And that doesn't always happen. No, you're right. And I think that's where the partnership and the trust between the, the coaches and the players that are, we're, we're going to help them um, to, to be put in a position to succeed and, and there might be some growing pain for some of them but eventually hopefully they will get there and they will contribute to the team's success but that also, That's also on you, know, you guys your, your staff finding players that are going yeah, uh, I think it's easier here now when we have uh, implemented a system how we want to play, and, and it's easier to put players in that system to be successful and uh, not put players in to fail. Uh, but again, saying that, we're, we haven't really accomplished anything here. We've got a lot of talented and good players, but we're going to continue to thrive to get better and con- continue to push the players to, to get to the next level. What about these players... Sorry, John. A lot of these players were asking you about, initially there was, I don't know if you noticed this, some criticism with some of the acquisitions that you made. Do you feel vindicated or satisfied as a GM that you've, you know, right now it seems to be proving correct that guys have been added? Um, I don't. I don't know about if we're, what well, the, was the, the ironic deal. A lot of yeah. people. Thought, oh, okay. You know, yeah. Uh, you know what? Spending uh, in free agency for where the team was. I. I again, I'm trying to control what I can control here, and that's to make the team better and provide uh, players to the coaching staff to to uh, play the right way, uh, play to our staples, plays to the standard, and and also uh, build around the young core players that we have here. I think those guys have helped all the young players to settle in here, um, appreciate Vancouver as a city, appreciate the organization, and um, the support I have from from ownership uh, since I got in there has been been very uh, impressive and and very thankful for it. Is there any update on PD or Hironic? Like, have you had any talks since we've last talked to you about? Either of those guys? Uh, no, no updates. Uh, yes, I talked to to their agents, but uh, I haven't. Uh, no, no updates there. Uh, that's uh, uh, something I know that that Jim and Michael Doyle and and the ownership are working on. 
That is Canucks general manager Patrick Alvine speaking uh, first about Anthony Bovillier, the trade that sends him to Chicago, the cap space that opens up, or at least the flexibility, as he mentions, they're still in LTIR and touching on some other things. No one criticized this team for spending in free agency. All of those deals were responsible. No one criticized that. The Hronik deal for sure, but it was as part of a package of adding $13 million in cap space on Kuzmenko, Bovillier, Hronik. One of those bets is trending really well. Two of them is not. One of the guys are already, already traded. Uh, Why do we have to reduce things to the simplest, most black and white binary in analyzing them? It doesn't make sense, man. Uh, as you can tell, lots to get into from what Patrick Alvine had to say in that press How conference. How vindicated do you feel, Mr. Alvine? Uh, we, will, uh, we, we will dig into it more later on in the next hour, probably both in the whiteboard. and uh, But we also have Jason Bukla from Sportsnet.ca coming up next, as we do every Wednesday. So uh, we will talk to Books. We'll get into the Patrick Alvine audio. And we'll do the whiteboard. All of that coming up in the final hour of the show here on Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Welcome back to Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Trance. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, still so much to get into into this hour. We'll dig into uh, Alvian's comment, commentary a little bit. We'll do the whiteboard as well. But joining us right now on the line, as he does every week, uh, from Sportsnet.ca and also a longtime NHL scout, he is our guy, Jason Bukla. Jason, what's going on, man? How you doing, fellas? We're, doing all right. Thanks. Doing all right. Yeah, we're doing, uh, we're doing very well. Bukes, got to start with the Anthony Beauvillier trade. He's no longer getting yeah. cardio in Vancouver. What can he bring to the Blackhawks? <laughs> what did you think of the deal? Oh, can I start off with the cardio thing? Yes. Uh, <laughs> a, close a close associate of ours, you can reveal the name if you want, sent me a text about that, that uh, getting uh, frustrated watching him just out there uh, doing cardio. And <laughs> I just about fell off my scouting seat. I thought it was a great line. So anyway. It was me. Uh, I'll, I'll reveal it. It was <laughs> me. I, I sent you that text. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was beautiful, beautiful. That's the beauty of being in the studying business. You hear these one-liners all the time. Right? <laughs> um, you know, this is a good news story for um, for the Canucks. I know that you guys are probably sitting there, um, and very fairly, I might add, saying that you know it would have been nice if this type of uh, transaction was maybe made in the summertime mm. and opened up a little bit more flexibility for them mm -hmm. to. You know, go spend some dollars on uh, on something. Um, you know, shop the market at that time because, as you know, um, especially right now, um, the cost of goods has gone up astronomically compared to uh, the competition in the summer when teams are kind of out of money, if you will. So, yeah, in a perfect world, this this would have happened in July. But I digress, and I say to you now that uh, obviously the money coming off all of the money coming off the books is a huge, uh, huge plus for the Canucks. Um, 
interesting to see now the timing of the next uh, transaction because the competition to fill a spot on the back end, and I'm assuming that's where we're going, yep. um, the, the competition to do so, it just gets uh, – that pool of teams is getting deeper and deeper by the day, fellas. Like, it's it's getting really difficult. And one of the teams that look like they might be in the market to move a player – as early as maybe seven to 10 days ago in, in the Calgary Flames, um, you know, they're, they're right on the cusp of playoffs and looking like they're, they're back in the mix. And that, that takes some of those UFAs off the market in short order. So it's a short list of uh, available options right now. Well, and, you know, the name that comes up a lot here in Vancouver is Ethan Bear, who, of course, was with the team last year, injured at the World Championships. And he's a UFA that we hear constantly that, you know, from reporters here that the the team and Ethan Bear are in contact, or at least the team and uh, his agent are in contact. But it's one of those things where he's coming off an injury. You know, he's working out by himself right now. There's still some uncertainty about his timeline. It's attractive because you don't have to give up assets to get him. It's just cap space but then you also have to wonder okay how long is it going to take this guy up uh, to get up to speed how difficult is it to manage you know bringing a player back from injury in the middle of the season and not really being entirely sure about when they're gonna uh, be at, at the level you want them to be at well it's difficult given the position especially um, there's nowhere to hide if you were to if you were to bring in bear right now and obviously you'd have to go on conditioning and, and the rest of it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, with, we're, we're sneaking into December. Okay. So let's just, uh, let's just go out on a limb and say that something like that was to happen in the next um, four days or something. Beginning of next week starts the clock. Um, if that were to happen, now you're looking at coming in, um, you're looking at conditioning, you're looking at getting up to speed. Um, he's familiar with the, with the coach and he's familiar with the expectation there. So that's a bonus. Um, the the thing of it though, guys, is that the role that he'd be required to be thrown into is is pretty. Um, uh, it's a high end. It's a higher end role than you would like to have early in that process. Is guess what I'm trying to tell you. So it would be very difficult. And here's the other thing. I mean, strategically speaking, yes, the money opens up now. I don't know what the number would look like on a bear. Let's call it two two five. Um, you know, do you want to? wait out this next string of games and see where we're at and see how the market kind of resets as well to see if there's possibly something even better than that out there. It's a real slippery slope. Dicey. I don't think they're done though. Right? Like I would suggest to you guys that they're going to, there's something else in the mix here. Obviously you talk about Garland, for example, I'm not sure where, what kind of noise is, is still kind of circulating about that. And that's, that's, you know, if I'm on the other end, I'm, I'm kind of lukewarm about buying that asset. So, if you're going to go out and sign Bear and you're going to spend X, uh, I don't think you're going to be getting a player hitting full stride till the new year. Um, so that's the risk you take. Jason, you know, it's I'm struggling to find a complete effort that this team is, has provided us with over the last three weeks. Um, Alvin just spoke to the media and noted himself, that's the biggest challenge, this is a quote, that's the biggest challenge for this group is to understand how you play every night and not every second night. He, he went on to say, and that's what I like with the process that this coaching staff has. But still, you know, that was his response to a question like, hey, uh, you know, has this team changed your mind with the, with the hottest start in franchise history? Um, he, demur- he demurred there, right? Like he's looking for more consistency himself. What are you seeing from this team of late? 
Well, this is something that you and I have discussed at length in the past, uh, Drancer. And um, so the way that I always look at things when I'm a scout is that, you know, how do you perform on your worst day? So I'm, this is going to be mm. a kind of a double-edged answer here. So on your worst day, like let's take last uh, Friday night in Seattle. I didn't think they were great over 60 minutes, okay? But I did feel like they persevered and they found a way in the third period to win a really important game. Let's not discount the importance of that game. I think Seattle might have pulled even in points or, you know, uh, they were going to be right neck and neck, even more neck and neck if they lose that game. Um, but then they back it up with like, for, for me, I, you know, not a great response in San Jose. Yeah, they came on strong in the third period, but really they should have put their foot down early in that game. I don't care if San Jose is starting to play better hockey. It doesn't matter to me. They're a three-win team. Let's put it in perspective. Um, so here's my issue. I'm circling back. I'm coming more on your side of the fence because their starts, um, I tracked back a few, well, not a few, really the last 10 games. So five and five is what I, is what I see in the last 10 games. And what I really see is they're not starting on time enough in those 10 games in the first seven minutes of the game, eight minutes of the game. And I'm going to tell you, with Vegas coming in and Vegas kind of being uneven recently, um, don't think that they're not taking notice of that right now in preparing for the Canucks, mm. knowing that the Canucks can leapfrog them if they win this game. They better start starting on time more often and not relying on Demko to give them a runway to get their, uh, their game in order. What goes into getting a team to consistently start on time? It feels like this is something we've talked about a lot in Vancouver, right? And even in that game against Anaheim last night, you know, I think a lot of people were hoping they would come out and really dominate the Ducks. They didn't happen from the start of the game. They did it at the third period. At the start of the third period, they came out really, really strong out of the gates. But why is it so hard, seemingly, for some teams to find that consistently at the beginning of games? Jeez, if I had the magic <laughs> answer, I think we'd all bottle that one. It's uh, So for me, it just comes down to personal preparation, right? So, um, you know, we always hear these these nifty stories about, well, you know, the guy's been on a scoring streak, so he's eating the same meal every day, he's driving the same way to the rink, whatever it is. The thing of it, guys, is that everybody has a responsibility to each other in the room. And if your first five minutes of the game per se, and you're, you're, you're a Nils Amon, you get, you know, you get thrown back in the lineup in the first five minutes of the game. If it means that you got to track up and down, um, create a turnover, get, you know, use your speed, um, you know, whatever it takes to get yourself going, you know, Hughes, that's an example, you know, let's escape a play early. Actually, I don't want to go to Hughes because he's not a guy that I ever want to use in a, in a negative light. I, you know, JT Miller made some plays last night, even, you know, early in the game that against other teams, not Anaheim, um, you expose some pucks up top in the zone um, that we've seen, i.e. Colorado with Kale McCarr, that go the other way when mm. it's turned over against a higher-end opponent. I just feel like you have to self-assess, get yourself ready. Clearly, Demko's doing it, right, in warm-up. He's like, geez, I'm feeling it. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. And he probably knows that these guys – have been trending that way those first five, seven minutes. Um, but there's no magic potion that I consider and say other than that, whatever it takes, if it's a hit, if it's a winning a draw, if it's locking on your man in D-zone coverage, just something to get you mentally focused and get your legs going, pick whatever it is, run with it, and then get going from there. Jason, what are you seeing from Andre Kuzmenko? He's a big storyline locally. Healthy scratch in two consecutive games. Got back in the lineup but was dropped off of PP1. Asked about his return. Rick Tockett said he was fine, uh, which is always, um, you know, I, I think a scary thing to hear from a coach in assessing one of his own players. What do you make of Andre Kuzmenko in his sophomore season? 
nobody likes to hear the word fine. It's like, uh, (laughs) that's a 50, 50 thing. Like I'm sitting on the fence. Right. So, Mm. um, I'm not surprised at this, like as good as he was last year, if you, if anybody who had the opportunity to track him, like we've been talking about him for what, a couple of years at least. Right. Guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you go back into his Russian history and you watch him, this is, this is his MO. Like he kind of comes in ebbs and flows. He comes in streaks. Um, you know, there's going to be, I don't want to, I don't want to come off sounding the wrong way, but there's always the Russian factor a little bit. And what I mean by that is that, Russian skill players, generally speaking, um, uh, you know, they, they lack a little. Pavel Datsuk would have been the exception. Like, you know, that consistency night in and night out. Even Kucherov, who's an elite, obviously gifted scorer, there's nights that he's going to let you down uh, off the puck and, and tracking up and down the ice. So the problem there is that, um, or the difference is that, you know, when Datsuk was in, in Detroit or when, when Kucherov's in Tampa, they have an established identity as a team, okay? And we're working on that in Vancouver still. We're still working towards something. So the coach has an expectation, and he's got to break the player a little bit. That's going to be uh, Kuzmenko's choice. I really like his character. Let's not, let's not all pile on here. Like, I like this guy, but he's going to have to figure it out. And this isn't a bad story long term. I think he's got the character of Persevere. Time will tell. I read a few things today that his name – you know, might come up as an asset and trade, like be very careful people when you start throwing things like that out there, because um, if his best year was 39 and his worst year ends up being 60 points and you got to deal with some of his warts, like you chase offense in this league, you chase guys who can mm. get it done at certain times through the year. Be careful what you ask for. Let's work with them. Let's try and get through it. Uh, Jason, just before we let you go, we assigned you a little bit of homework last week. I don't know if you remember. Did you have a chance to look into 14-year-old phenom Landon DuPont playing out of Calgary after we brought him up last week? I didn't. I got too busy. <laughs> God. Like, That's all right. That's I, all right. Jeez, oh, what can I say, Salas? All right. Say? We'll get that scouting years. report sometime eventually on Landon <laughs> DuPont. Don't worry. We'll do it. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, Jason. Appreciate Pooks, it. you're the best. Talk to you next week. Sounds great, guys. Enjoy the week. Thanks for having me on. And and we'll both get our cardio, bud. Oh, he's lost him. <laughs> uh, that is Jason Bukla from Sportsnet, and uh, of, of course, a uh, longtime NHL scout. Before that, uh, yeah, Landon Dupont still uh, clicking two points a game at the U eighteen level as a fourteen year old. So there you go, as a defenseman, no less. I'm, I'm keeping tabs. I'm in on it. You should be. Twenty twenty seven. I hear he's sick. Twenty twenty seven NHL draft. Well, do you remember? Do you remember last year we were like laying out like it's James Hoggins next year and then McKenna the year after? Yeah. No, there's one in there. There's this year. Well, that's Macklin, right? Macklin, and then is it? Oh, but are we talking about just what the West? Well, no, Western Hoggins guys? is also American. No, no. Okay, just... okay, okay. Because it's uh, Misa in 2025 too, right? Isn't it, Michael Misa? It's Hoggins. Oh, okay. Don't worry All about right. it. <laughs> How dare I? How I'm, dare I suggest I'm, it was Misa? I'm so serious, though. Like, all right. You'll, all right. We'll look back and you'll be like, oh, right. How dare I? Yeah, um, no, that's like being like, it's Misa, isn't it? That's like being like, it's Couturier, right? In that one year where like, he ends sure. up going eight. Sure. You know? All right. All yeah. right. Fair enough. Um, okay. Patrick Alvian. Uh, we played the audio a little well, bit earlier in the show. Can I, Can we scroll this? Because 
You know, I thought there was some interesting. Well, uh, here's what I want to get into. Yeah, you know, there you, was a few. There was you, some interesting things. You brought it up with Bukla, and this was the number one question that I wanted to hear an answer to because I think it's the most important question right now. And it's look, how much of our show is devoted to trying to figure out how much we should adjust our expectations for this team based on what the record they've amassed and the individual performances so far in this season, right? Like mm. that's that's not just our show. That's every show that people talking about. Like that's what everyone is trying to figure out. And part of that, which I think is a fascinating conversation, something to think about, is, well, what does the team think? How much have they changed their yeah. expectations? What are they are they changing their plans based on it? And I think that was, as I said, that was the number one question I wanted to hear from Patrick Alvin. And as you alluded to, you know, he answered it, I actually think, in a pretty reasonable way. He was not ready to windmill Tomahawk 360 dunk. On what this team has accomplished, yeah. right? Like, he even cited, as Talk said, again, this is a direct quote because I was live transcribing. Yeah. Um, we haven't really done anything yet. We're still working to get better, and that's the mindset we have. Maybe the strongest answer we've ever heard from Elvin. Like, yep. I would say the fact that he's seen 22 games, they've all gone this team's way, and he's being this measured, right, about what's next, I think is a really good look. On this organization and on, you know, their general manager. And I know I was talking earlier in the year about, hey, maybe you have to, at some point, do you have to consider trying to make a big splash, right? Trying to do something significant beyond kind of fiddling at the edges of the roster if you really have lightning in a bottle here. But I was also saying at the time, let's check back in on January, right? Like, you don't have to make that decision now. You don't have to decide now that you've captured lightning in a bottle, get more data, see where this team is going. And that's a little bit the vibe I got from Patrick Alvin, right? Like, hey, of course we like a lot of what we've seen. Yeah, that's great, yep. but we still need to see more before we're ready to take that dive to jump in with both feet on this, on this team being a true Stanley Cup contender. There's more we need to see here. That said, do I think we need another defense defenseman? I think we can get help on the back end. He also added um, in terms of injuries, right? Like he was asked about what the team sort of needs and mm -hmm. discussed um, needing help. Um there's a lot of pieces out there, he said, but again, we owe it to the players internally to put them in a position to succeed. And that's an important part of what you have to do, right? Like you need, especially given how the team's positioned with Pedersen in particular, but Hironic as well, right? Uh, we, we've talked about this, the opportunity when things are going your way mm. that you can't miss and that this team did miss coming out of the bubble with regrettable consequences, right? Like, that is the moment to present Hughes and Pedersen with eight-year deals, right? Like, that is the moment. And and how different would this team be right now, you know? If we were looking at, like, seven and a half for Hughes for another three years after this current contract expires, or Pedersen's yeah. future secured for another four years at right like, now. At eight million or whatever, yeah. Like, something outrageous. Yeah. We would be laughing. Anyway, we're still laughing. I mean, it's all, <laughs> <laughs> we are who we are. Anyway. Um, laughing in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> like clowns. Yes. Laughing on the outside, crying on the inside. That's right. Um, <laughs> we can, uh, we can um, do our makeup together next show. Uh, we all know that we have some injuries on the back end, he added, and Pew Suter up top. So we're looking at ways where we can strengthen our team. I thought invoking Pew Suter there, apropos of nothing, like that's his inclusion, mm -hmm. I think also does sort of speak volumes about this team's 
continued needs being maybe a little bit more multifaceted than go grab one right-handed defenseman, yeah, dust your hands for sure. off. Yeah. I, I think he's right, by the way, to include Pew Suter. Like, hey, you know, we had this guy who was kind of a little bit more offensive in our top nine, and, and uh, you know, maybe we need that. Like, I, I, that's sort of what I took from that. I don't know if that's an unfair read. Maybe it, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's certainly how I interpreted that particular comment. Well, and, you know, there was a lot of conversation from Patrick Alvian and with the media about how the play in general of the Canucks' forward depth and the wingers facilitated the Bovillier trade, right? Because Hoaglander's playing well. You know, Phil DiGiuseppe looked like he was going to be scratched, but generally he's been able to hold down a spot in the lineup. Uh, Sam Lafferty, you know, Dakota Joshua has bounced back after being a healthy scratch. And then you have the players down in Abbotsford as well. So I think there's – I wonder if where they are right now is, again, still in that kind of, okay, maybe we're calling somebody up from Abbotsford or – uh, with Beauvillier out, there's there's more minutes to go around, and we'll see how those players respond, and then we'll have a better idea of, one, what our needs are at forward, but also who might be expendable, who might be, who might, who we might want to include in a trade uh, if we are going to go that route. And I just think, um, again, like all the focus is on the blue line, right? And I think in the near term, that's where we should expect to move. That makes sense, yeah. It's just, to me, it's always, like, I've always expected a move to happen this year. It's really just where on the spectrum of aggressiveness does it occur? You know what I mean? Like, that's really the question. I think from, hey, we're going to add, we're signing Ethan Bear, and that's our move, and we're not giving up any futures or any additional assets. We're just signing Ethan Bear. That's kind of one end of the spectrum, which I think would be a really good move, by the way, to, hey, we really think we have something here, and we're going out and adding a defenseman and a forward at the top of our lineup, right? I was asked... In a mailbag that I ran at the Athletic on Monday, the twenty no Tuesday, the twenty eighth, which defenseman could realistically mm-hmm. and and you know realistically is always doing a lot of work. When someone's like, "Who's a realistic trade possibility?" Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I mean, I didn't know that there was a realistic chance that the Canucks would trade Beauvillier yesterday. Yeah, I thought there was a chance that, but to do it without taking any money back, I wouldn't have called that realistic a week ago, and then. All, all hell breaks loose opportunity with the Black presents Hawks and itself. opportunity knocks. Yeah. So realistic does a lot of work. But you know, building a list of like guys with higher salaries than where than where the level that they're contributing to their current teams or are like playing low minutes or are on the third pair, but I think could be more or yeah. you know, someone could reasonably think could be more. I sort of put together a list and it's like Eric Brandstrom out mm-hmm. of Ottawa, Jacob Bryson. Out of Buffalo, who I actually really like, like the the old Andrew Peak, Adam Bockvist, yep. Jake Bean trio out of Columbus, Logan Stanley out of Winnipeg, who we know has previously requested a trade, maybe Colin Miller out of New Jersey, one point eight million, right-handed shot, only gotten into five games for them. Um, they also still have Simone Nemich, who presumably is going to be heard so. from at some point in the season. Matt Greslick out of Boston, a longtime favorite of mine, has only played ten games this year for the, for the Red Hot Bruins. Maybe maybe an Anaheim Ducks team decides to sell an Ilya Labushkin, something like that. Yep. But it's like that's the sort of – is there a single player there who jumps off the page at you above Ethan Bear? No, but that to me is – that's like kind of what I'm talking about where if you if you think that this is a nice step forward and kind of a pleasant surprise but not entry into the true level of cup contenders for this team, that's the kind of move you go out and make. Totally. Right? Cheap. Hey, we've got a little bit of flexibility now. We still want to bolster this team and kind of reward the players, but 
were not ready to really go all in and push some ships into the middle. And I will say, you know, with opening up a little bit of flexibility, I, you know, I don't know the salary figures for all those guys off the top of my head, but now you put yourself in a position where, yeah, you, you can, get can a take on a, million dollar guy. a distressed contract, totally. right? And maybe the team will even, I don't want to say throw in a sweetener, but like you can do that. Not in ter- cheap in terms of salary. Maybe you can do it free, though. Maybe free. Yeah. Basically free, right? So that's pretty interesting to me. For that, sure. And who knows what Ethan Bear's deal will will uh, end up being, right? But, like, do you even put yourself in a position where you can go out and get a couple of guys at, at, at relatively low cost yeah. with that salary well, cap savings, and, right? But, but Bear is Bear – is, if you can get Bear, I think you do it in a heartbeat now. I think he's the best solution. Especially because he's got that chemistry with Hughes. You yeah. know, I, I – like well, gonna, and look, if you get Bear, and at some time around the same time, Carson Soucy is coming back into the lineup, and your six defensemen are Hughes, Hronick, Cole, Bear, Soucy, Myers, like, all right, I like that. <laughs> I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of potential there, and there's a lot of different pairs you can trot out. There's a lot of different things you can do. You're at least average. Oh frankly. yeah. And and when was the last time this this organization was able to be like we have a, a league average blue line but you also just think about like what we saw last night right where you Cole McWards under 10 minutes and you know they're they're really having to juggling the lines and guys are getting out there with or the pairings guys are getting out there with different partners versus what the six that I just laid out like that's a very very different world for the coaching staff uh, to be living in if you have Susie and potentially Ethan Bear healthy and playing well at some point later in the year so I agree like Bear if that's an option, if you can do that, that's first choice. No assets, chemistry comes in, fits what you need. I was actually really surprised to hear uh, Donnie and Dolly say that they got a whole bunch of texts asking why the Canucks would even be interested in Ethan Bear. I was like, wow, I guess you guys have more negative listeners than we do. Right. <laughs> Who would have thought? Like, It's like, I don't know, have you watched the Canucks play defense for the last 10 years? Because Ethan Bear's on a list of like the five best blue liners <laughs> that this team has employed in the last decade, frankly. I mean, well, at least puck movers. Oh. Probably Hughes, Hughes, Edler, L- yeah, like Tanev. Claire Edler, Tanev, yeah. I mean, if we're going back Heronic, ten years, Heronic, Heronic, and then Bear, Ham Hughes was still here. Yo, but, but ten years ago, we're already in 2014, 2013. Well, sure, but 13, 14, 13, 14 season. 14. Yeah, so Bxa was already gone. Bxa was, yeah, yeah. So Bxa was already gone. We That's got fair. one That's last fair. season of Ham Hughes, who wasn't the same guy. I, like, seriously, it's been a grim decade, man. It has. You actually think about it, Bears, like, one of the ten most effective or five most effective defensemen this team's iced in a decade. I Like, I think there's a real argument for that. Depending on your mileage for Troy Stetcher and Ben Hutton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have him over Ben Hutton for sure. And Troy Stetcher. <laughs> I'd have and Troy Stetcher. Over both. Come yeah. on. Uh, no doubt about it. Okay, uh, we will take a break. Keep your text coming in. But we'll do the whiteboard at the end of the show today instead of the beginning. So that's coming up. Final segment of the show here, Canucks Talk, Sportsnet 650.